The Hammer, Chapter 6 Corvin searched frantically through the dirty clothes he had kicked under his bed. The hammer was not there. Where could it be? It was definitely in his back pocket at Kate's house. It came back in a flash. The hammer was in his dirty pants when he changed his clothes, and Mother was doing the wash when he fell asleep. If she tried to put the pants through the ringer, the hammer would make a real mess of things. Two years ago, he'd left some marbles in his pockets, jamming the rollers and ruining the gears. His only hope was that Mother had gone to bed without wringing out the wash. Glancing out the window, he saw his pants swaying gently on the line. Oh, great, he muttered. He made his way silently down the stairs, but forgot about the third step and put his foot right in the middle. The stair let out its customary low groan. Corvin waited until his mother's snoring resumed, then crept silently out to the back porch. The ringer washer grinned at him from its corner. It always reminded him of a robot from a science fiction story, with its ringer head hanging over its squat body and the rollers looking like two rows of yellow teeth in an oversized mouth. He inspected the rollers. Everything looked fine. Either his mother had found the hammer, or it was still down in the rinse water she always saved for her garden. Rolling up his sleeve, he plunged his hand into the dingy water. He felt around the groove at the bottom of the round tub, but came up only with a coin, the half dollar from his chest. Dropping it in his pocket, he looked through the screen door into the kitchen. If mother had found the hammer, she most likely would have put it into the secret hiding place where she kept the family cash. Holding the screen door down to avoid any squeaks, he went to the pantry and pressed on a knot in the wall. A small door popped open to reveal a shallow alcove. Grandfather had built the hiding spot for his mother, but Corvin found it one day while searching for the chocolate chips. This time it contained nothing. No chocolate, no cash, and no hammer. Corvin clicked the door shut. Where else could she have put it? Unless... Maybe it had slipped out of his pocket when he'd used the outhouse. He retreated through the kitchen and out to the backyard. The path felt warm to his feet. The dust was coming back after the rain and the moonlight illuminated his footprints from earlier that afternoon. The wooden latch on the outhouse had been left open, the rough plank door hanging ajar on its leather hinges. Corvin pulled the door wide. The familiar rank odor wafted out as he crouched down to search around the wooden platform and behind the stack of old newspapers. The hammer wasn't there. Puzzled, he pushed the door closed and latched it. As Corvin retraced his steps, he glanced up the path that led to the rock. A set of tracks were outlined by the moonlight. He bent low. His father had trained him to track most animals known on the prairie, but this was something new. The mark in the center must be from a tail, but the tail was dragging in the front with the paw prints overlaid it. How could that be? Maybe the animal had killed something and was dragging it away, but there was no blood. Corvin followed the tracks out to where they vanished on the rock. High overhead, he heard pebbles rolling and clinking together. Crouching low, he climbed on all fours toward the crown of broken rock. At first, Corvin saw only black shadows inside the castle. He heard something, though. Rocks pushed around and the grunts and puffs of a small creature. Peering through the gap, Corvin caught sight of a shadowy figure near the solitary rock in the center. Dirt and pebbles sprayed out as the animal dug a hole at the base of the lone boulder. The creature stood on its hind feet. The lizard. Corvin watched in fascination as the reptile picked up two strips of cloth and wrapped them carefully around its front claws. In the soft light, it looked like it was wearing mittens. Corvin stared, transfixed by this bizarre sight. It stooped to drag something back toward the place where it was digging. The hole seemed too small for the large creature, but as it stepped back, its body appeared to flow into the gap until only its cloth-wrapped claws remained outside holding a dark object. It was the hammer. The lizard had taken it from the outhouse. 
The claws suddenly disappeared into the hole, leaving the hammer standing upright for a moment before it toppled to the ground. Corvin sprang forward and reached for it just as an explosion of dirt flew from the hole into his eyes. Blinded, he sat back, shaking his head. Dirt peppered his body and then stopped. A guttural screech snapped his head up as the dark blur hit him squarely in the chest, knocking him onto his back. The lizard pounced on top of him, raking its cloth-bound claws across its face. It screeched in frustration. Corvin screamed back and knocked the creature off his chest and across the ring. Rolling onto his knees, he tensed for another attack. The lizard was unwinding the cloth, its keen eyes burning with hatred. Corvin felt around the ground for a weapon, but there were no rocks or sticks within reach. The lizard leapt toward him, landing with its front claws outstretched, straddling the hammer. The creature's eyes narrowed, and it hissed at him, but it didn't move. Of course, for some reason, it couldn't touch the hammer with his bare claws. If Corvin could take the hammer away, he might be able to use it to keep the creature at bay. Its lean body inched forward, staying between Corvin and the hammer. Claws scraped on the muddy piece of tarp that Corvin had ripped off his fort. Corvin glanced down. If he could yank the tarp out from under its feet, he'd have a chance to grab the hammer. The lizard hissed at him, pulling its thin lips back in a wicked grin and exposing its pointed teeth. Corvin inched his hand down toward the loose end of the large canvas sheet. The lizard's eyes darted down. Corvin yanked as hard as he could, pulling the lizard's feet from under it and tumbling it back past the hammer. In one motion, Corvin jumped forward, threw the dirty canvas over the creature and scooped up the hammer. He retreated as a flurry of claws tore the old canvas to shreds. The lizard emerged with eyes blazing. It took two quick steps toward him, but when it saw the hammer in his hand, it stopped. Glaring through narrow slits, it snarled in a low, raspy voice. You will never be the Corvan. You could not survive the wrath of my master. Corvin blinked. It could talk? Fear rose in his throat, but he managed to choke it back and croak out, Go away! The lizard fell back as if it had been kicked, its eyes wide in fear. Corvin held the hammer higher and took a step forward. The creature retreated, eyes flickering from one side to the other. Hissing, it gave him one last glance, then melted into the dark hole. Corvin grabbed the biggest rock he could lift with one hand from the fire pit circle and dropped it over the hole. He stuffed the hammer into his pocket and piled on rocks until he couldn't lift any more. His sides heaved. He fell to his knees and retched. Shaking uncontrollably, he stumbled across the circle and collapsed against the rocks. Never in his life had he been so afraid. People like Bill Fry were mean, but this thing was so... so evil. Who was its master? Was that why it wore a collar? Corvin shook his head. This couldn't be happening. How could an animal talk? He pulled out the hammer. All these weird things had started since he found it. As he held it, he sensed a growing awareness of great danger. He was about to drop it when he sensed something else. The sensation of evil was greater than he ever could have imagined, but holding it back was something much more powerful, a force that flowed around and through him. The hammer was actually holding the evil at bay. A shadow flickered past his feet, and Corvin ran for the gap in the castle wall. An owl swept overhead on silent wings, hunting for prey. He let out a long breath. Then the thought crossed his mind that gophers always had a second entrance to their holes. The lizard could be watching him even now, or maybe it had gone back to bring more of its kind. A cold sweat broke out on his forehead as he scanned the circle of rocks. The shadows around them could easily conceal the vicious creature. He backed to the circle and headed for home. As he ran, he felt certain that he heard an entire pack of lizards bearing down on him from behind. With a final burst of speed, he reached the safety of the porch and turned to look back.
The owl hooted, but everything was still. The pressure in his chest slowly eased. Since the lizard had retrieved the hammer from the outhouse, it must know where he lived. If it came back with reinforcements, the only thing that could save his family would be the hammer. Corvin looked out the porch door at the dark rock. It didn't make sense. Animals couldn't talk. And what about the cloth wrapped around its claws? Thankfully, that wasn't a dream. He put his hand to his face. It felt sore, but there were no bloody scratches. He considered waking his parents to tell them what happened, but quickly dismissed the thought. He had no scratches on him, and as his teacher had pointed out, no one would believe a lizard like that lived in these parts. Maybe it had escaped from the city zoo. That would explain why it had a master. But the lizard was the one that said it had a master, and animals couldn't talk. This was all too crazy. Corvin moved into the shadows of the porch and sank into the moth-eaten armchair. Tonight he must keep guard over the house. Taking the hammer firmly in his right hand, he stretched out his arm on the armrest, like a king with his scepter on a royal throne. The hammer gave him a sense of authority, and he envisioned himself holding an entire legion of lizards at bay. He closed his eyes to rest a moment. A rooster crowed, and Corvin opened his eyes. The sun was just coming up, caressing the top of the aspen trees. The long night was past, and every muscle in his body ached. He hoped his mother would let him sleep in. He crept up to his room and hid the hammer under his pillow. As he undressed, the black and half dollar fell out of his pocket and rolled under the bed. Too tired to chase it, Corvin crawled under the sheets and fell asleep. When he awoke, the sun was directly above the house. That was odd. His parents never let him sleep in this late. He listened to the buzz of flies at his window, but below him the house remained silent. Mom, he called out, what's for breakfast? There was no answer. Worry crept into his soul and exploded into full panic. Had the lizard attacked while he slept? He slipped from his bed, pulled on his pants, and crept down the stairs the hammer held out before him. The bed in his parents' room was not made, and a few of the dresser drawers hung askew. Corbin checked out front. The truck was gone. They never left him at home on a Sunday. He went to the kitchen and looked for a note. Nothing. Wandering back to the living room, he heard Kate call from the back door. He crossed his arms over his bony chest. He hated being seen without a shirt on. They met in the kitchen, and she shook her head in disgust. Are you just getting up? Must be nice to sleep in half the day. Mum had me up at six to take the pies out to the station wagon. She placed her hands on her hips. You should get a shirt on. She nodded to the laundry basket by the back door. Uh, have you seen my parents this morning? They drove past our place early this morning. She looked out the window. So what are you doing today? Nothing, Corvin said, relieved that his parents were okay. He wanted to look at the stuff in the chest, but not with Kate around. He grabbed a t-shirt from the laundry basket and pulled it on. I went out to the rock, she said. What a mess. The fort's gone, and there's a big pile of rocks there. Uh, the storm flattened the fort, Corvin stammered, and I piled the rocks. I was making a monument like a pyramid. Kate scowled. When are you going to start telling people the truth instead of making up silly stories? If you don't want to say what you're doing, just say, Kate, I don't want to talk about it. He hated to admit it, but Kate was right. He did need to be more truthful. It's not that I don't want to tell you, it's just that I don't think people will believe me if I tell the truth this time. This sounds crazier than any story I ever made up. I'm not even sure I believe it. Try me. Kate replied, sitting on the kitchen table. His grandfather had told him to trust no one, but this was Kate. Besides, she'd already seen the hammer. It's all connected to this. 
Corvin pulled the hammer from his back pocket and placed it on the table. Kate stared at it as if she were seeing it for the first time. She touched it with one finger, then pulled her hand away. You never did tell me where it came from. Well, I thought my grandfather made it for me, but now I'm not sure. Last night the hammer was stolen. Kate hopped off the table. Bill Fry took it? No, it wasn't Bill, it was... Who? Ah, forget it. I get enough mocking from the kids at school. He went around her, out the screen door, and slouched on the porch steps. She followed him. You're talking about that lizard again, aren't you? Corvin checked to see if she was teasing him, but her face looked serious. I'm sorry if I made fun of you about the story. It just seemed, well, far-fetched, and no one but you has ever seen it. She shrugged. But I guess not seeing something doesn't mean you should doubt someone who says he has. Corvin stared at the rock. He had definitely seen it. His stomach churned at the memory. So why would a lizard need a hammer? Corvin dropped his gaze to the ground. Come on. I said I was sorry. All right. I'll tell you what happened. But if you start to laugh, I'm not telling you any more. If the story gets funny, it's not my fault if I laugh. It's not that kind of story. Just do me a favor and let me get to the end before you ask questions. Kate nodded, and Corvin told her about the lizard taking the hammer and his battle to get it back. Kate listened intently, but as the story progressed, her frown deepened. When he got to the part where the lizard spoke, she interrupted. Wait a minute. I could imagine a wild animal trying to bury your hammer, thinking it was a bone or something. But everyone knows animals don't talk. That's just crazy. Corbin jumped to his feet. You're right. I'm crazy. Crazy for thinking I could share this story with someone like you. He stomped off. What do you mean, like me? Kate hollered after him. You think you're better than me? Corvin rounded the corner of the house and broke into a run. He knew she wouldn't believe him. He never should have told her. He bounded up the front stairs, eased the door shut behind him, and peeked out the living room window. Kate hadn't followed. Hopefully she'd gone home. Now he'd finally have a chance to look through the chest in peace. He climbed the stairs to his room and unlocked the chest's secret panel. Draping the soft cloth over the footbed of his bed, he looked over the various items. But his attention kept returning to the pale green rope. Undoing its clips, he plucked it from its shallow depression and tried to shake it out. One end was squash flat and wrapped securely around the coils, the small flaps keeping the rope fastened in tight loops. Corvin tugged at the flaps, but they wouldn't budge. He pulled as hard as he could on the free end, but the rope only stretched a little. A low whistle escaped his lips. How could something this light be so strong? It wasn't even woven like regular rope. It was all one thin strand, though the free end was a bit thicker, like a short handle. On the tip of the handle was a round button like an eyeball with a black knobby pupil staring from the center. Corvin pressed on the dark bump, and the flat flaps opened and released the coils. Letting the soft rope play through his hands, he picked up the flat end that had been wrapped around the coils. It was a wide disc, like the head of a cobra. He held it flat in the palm of his hand and pressed his thumb against the dark eye on the end of the handle with his other hand. An intense prickling sensation snapped his left hand closed around the flat disc. Corvin tried to open his fist, but he couldn't. It was as if the green disc had been coated in glue. He tried harder, but the prickling increased and his fingers shifted about of their own accord. His hand was hurting. He dropped the eyeball end. It bounced off the open chest and his left hand sprang free, spilling the disc to the floor. Red dots of blood rose to the surface of his palm as if many tiny needles had punctured his skin. 
Corvin gingerly picked up the disc, set it on the bed, and picked up the eyeball end. His thumb touched the black knob, and the flat disc twitched like something alive and burrowed into his blanket. He leaned forward to examine it. A thousand minuscule fingers stuck out from the disc, grasping and bunching up the cloth. He flicked the black button again, and they vanished. Corvin turned the disc over and pressed the button. The tiny tentacles extended, waving and seeking something to grasp. The rope grew thicker and recoiled on itself like an angry snake pulling toward his arm. Corvin let out a yelp and dropped it to the floor where it spread out on the wooden planks. He pulled on the free end, but the flat disc didn't budge. He pulled harder. The floorboards flexed and creaked. Working the small button, Corvin released the disc from the floor and picked it up. Activating the finger, he tossed the flat disc at the wall. It stuck. Small flakes of paint fell as the tentacles found the tiniest cracks. Corvin examined the black knob, pushing it to one side. Slow movement in front of him caught his eye. The disc crawled like a round centipede across the wall. He released the sideways pressure and it stopped. Sitting on his bed, Corvin discovered he could control not only the direction, but also the speed of the disc end of the rope. The farther he bent the knob, the faster it moved. He directed the flathead up to where the ceiling met the wall. It made the transition smoothly and slipped across his ceiling, dislodged plaster raining onto the bed around him. He laughed as he sent it in circles around his light socket. When it dropped and landed on his legs, he shouted, jumped against his headboard and laughed again. He must have released the button by mistake. He picked up the disc. How would it work on something really smooth? Walking over to the window, he held it up to the glass on the upper section and activated the button. The disc spread out flatter, looking like a translucent green leech feeding on the fly specks. As he worked the controls, it moved slowly across the smooth surface. He heard a scream from outside. Out the window, he caught a glimpse of someone swinging a stick madly about in the castle circle. The person screamed again and then disappeared from sight. He knew that voice. Kate was being attacked by the lizard. <laughs>